Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. If you got a Bible in hand, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. So Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. I'll meet you there in a moment in Matthew chapter 4. We'll pick up in verse 18. I want to say welcome to you today. My name is Lee and I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Heights and it is good to have you. Uh, we have a lot going on as a church, a lot to be thankful for, a lot to celebrate and pray. Uh, for uh, this morning, Pastor Jonathan, our, our student pastor, uh, is down at the Way of Life Church uh, preaching there today. Uh, Way of Life Church, if you're new with us, is a church plant uh, that we support up in Pearland. We've supported them for several years, and uh, Pastor Jonathan is filling in for uh, Pastor Chris and so uh, we're going to pray for him in a moment. Then also another church plant that we support down in Brazoria, led by Ray Cantoon. Uh, that is a new church, just a little, almost a year old or so. Uh, but they are baptizing three people this morning. Amen. So we're excited about that. And uh, I met with Ray and Juanita this week just to catch up with them. And the Lord is moving and, and working in, in their church life. Uh, they have been, once they baptized these three, then they would have baptized 12 people since January. And so uh, just so excited to see that new work. Pastor Ray is going to be preaching uh, here on September 17th. So you'll get to meet him and know him a little bit more. And I'm excited for you to uh, uh, hear from Ray that morning. And uh, so we're, we're excited about that. And so uh, also uh, emailed you this out on Thursday. We have a, a couple within our church that fills call to church plant. And uh, so they are going to be meeting with the North American Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention of Texas over at Sagemont on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, that is part of the assessment process that they need to uh, go through. And so I will be with them uh, this week on Monday and Tuesday helping with that assessment. Uh, but we're going to pray for them. And church, how exciting is that? That God is raising up leaders within our church and sending them out to do that. Amen. I'm so excited about that. And... Uh, once that assessment process is done and clear and later in September, early October, we'll, we'll let you know who that couple is and, and plans that we're praying about. Uh, but right now, I'm just going to ask you to pray for them over the next couple of days as they go through that assessment uh, process and church planning. So let me open us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the way you work. Uh, thank you for the way you move. Uh, Father, I, I uh, pray for Pastor Jonathan this morning as he's preaching that, Lord, you would empower him with the, the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the Way of Life Church, and we just pray you continue to bless them and, and guide them as a church and, and bless uh, Chris as their pastor. Father, we thank you for Ray and La Speranza, and we are praying continually just for a move uh, down in the Hispanic community there uh, in Brazoria. We thank you for Ray and, and Juanita and their uh, willingness to step out and start a new work there. We thank you for the fruit they're seeing 
And for the three people getting baptized in that church today, Father, we pray that they now have decided to follow Jesus and we pray they never turn back. Lord, bless those three folks that are getting baptized. And Father, we pray for the couple within our church uh, that fills this call and this burden to start a new church. Lord, we pray over the next two days as they go through the assessment process uh, that, Lord, you would bless, you would guide that, you would lead that. And Lord, we just pray for the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way in their lives. And Father, for us, as we've opened your word, open your hearts, our, our hearts and our minds to be able to receive it, to understand it, to love it, and to live it out, we pray in Christ's name, amen, amen. It's 1854 that a man by the name of Edward Kimball goes and visits a teenager who was 17 at the time by the name of Dwight L. Moody. Uh, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in his church. D.L. Moody was a 17-year-old who didn't really want much to do with God or the things of God or Jesus, but uh, had visited Sunday school class quite often. And so Edward Kimball goes into the shoe store that D.L. Moody is working in, uh, begins to meet with him, disciple him, and lead him to Christ. If you know anything about the name D.L. Moody, D.L. Moody goes to be a famous evangelist, written, written several, several, several books, uh, started a church, started a college that's still in existence today. Historians believe that D.L. Moody and all of his travels around the world within the United States probably preached to an estimated 100 million people. And you stop and think, a Sunday school teacher took his time to go meet with a 17-year-old and led him to Christ and discipled him. But the story doesn't stop there. See, Edward Kimball discipled D.L. Moody D.L. Moody later in life disciples a man by the name of F.B. Meyer and leads F.B. Meyer to Christ. F.B. Meyer leads a man by the name of J. Wil Wilbur Chapman to Christ. J. Wilbur Chapman leads a man by the name of Billy Sunday to Christ. Billy Sunday leads a man by the name of Mordecai Ham to Christ. And Mordecai Ham, if you've not been familiar with any names yet, Mordecai Ham leads a man by the name of, have you heard of this guy? Billy Graham to Christ. So think about that. That is a picture of disciples making disciples. A, a tree that started all from one Sunday school teacher named Edward Kimball, who went to go visit a 17-year-old by the name of D.L. Moody. And you can trace that disciple-making tree all the way down to Billy Graham, who, of course, you guys know Billy Graham went on to lead hundreds and thousands and untold numbers of people to Christ. We are called to make disciples. God calls every one of us to make disciples. He empowers us to make disciples. We are to be people who make disciples who make disciples. And so we are in this series called, called Disciples Who Make Disciples because what we wanna do at Heights Baptist Church is live that calling out. So what we've been doing last week and over the next two weeks is unveiling to you kind of our disciple-making strategy in which we are saying here as a church how we are gonna fulfill the very call that God puts on our lives. But let's define what a disciple is. See, as a staff, we've kind of over the last year been working on this definition uh, because if you kind of ask anybody what is a disciple, it's like nailing jello to a wall, right? 
Jesus doesn't actually say, here's what a disciple is. Now, Jesus gives us a lot of things within the Gospels that we can say, here's what a disciple looks like, here's characteristics, here's what he does. So we as a, we as a staff kind of work for almost a year on kind of narrowing down how do we say at heights we are making disciples and what does that look like? And so here's a definition we've come up with that's pretty easy to remember. A disciple of Jesus is one who follows Jesus is being changed by Jesus and is on mission with Jesus. I said, that's a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a Christian, if you will, is one that is following Christ, is being changed by Christ, and is on mission with Christ. And I wanna show you where we get that definition, and I wanna show you the very words of Christ that gives us that definition of a disciple. So if you're able, uh, let's stand together as we read the word of God. I'm gonna pick up in Matthew chapter four in verse 18. We read this story that Matthew records. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee in verse 18, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed them. And going from there, they saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed Christ. I believe this is the word of God that he has written to you. My prayer is that you're going to learn to love his word and live his word out in your life. I invite you to be seated. When Matthew writes this story, Matthew makes it seem like this is the first time that James and John and, and Peter and Andrew have met Jesus. But actually, if we look at all of the Gospels together, it's in John chapter 1 that Andrew comes to Peter and he says, I have found the Messiah in whom we are looking for. So James and John, brothers who are professional fishermen, Peter and Andrew, brothers, professional fishermen, these guys are already linked together. They have been following John the Baptist. They've been on the search for the Christ, the Messiah. It's Andrew, while he's listening to John, goes, I've found him. His name is Jesus. Come here and follow him with me. So up to this point in Matthew's gospel, if we read Luke's account as well, they've probably been following Jesus for about a year. All right, so Andrew and Peter and James and John, they've been with Christ for about a year coming up to Matthew 4. So they've heard Jesus teach. They have heard him, you know, heard him. They've seen his miracles up to this point. Luke's gospel tells us that they have been out fishing all night long. Now, remember, these are professional fishermen. In this day, in this time, this is a very kind of common labor job. Uh, it's a, just a job probably passed down from the family, but it's, it's not a job that everybody in society is going to cheer or elevate. It's just kind of a common laborer type position. So they've been fishing all night long. They haven't caught anything. Luke's gospel tells us Jesus is there on the shore in the morning, and he calls out to them, and he says, hey, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And Pete being Pete's like, man, we have been, we've been fishing all night, Jesus. There's no fish out here. He's like, all right, well, Jesus told us to do it, so I guess we'll do what Jesus tells us to do, right? You ever do that in your life? Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, he calls to do it, so I guess I'll do it, right? All kind of joy bubbling up in you, right? <sighs> okay, tell me to pray. I guess I'll pray, right? 
Jesus, you tell me to cast a nail on the other side of the boat. Hey, FYI, we've been out here all night. I ain't caught anything. And some of you growing up in Sunday school, you know the story. You cast on the other side of the net. And all these fish now start filling the net. I mean, it's about to sink the boat. So they call James and John over Luke's gospel. We're like, hey, you got to help us out. We got all these fish. Peter runs up to him in Luke's gospel. And he says, you're the Christ. You're the Lord. Matthew records in verse 4, verse 19, a definition of disciple. He says the first part of this definition is a disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. He follows Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple. I'm following Christ. Right, so the first part of that is you follow Jesus. If I bought a car from you, and you had a car, and you had a clean title to a car, and I, I bought that from you, and I say, hey, you know what, I want to buy your car. When I buy that car from you, you hand me a title. Well, now that title shows that I own the car. See, being a follower of Jesus and what it means to follow Jesus is you're saying, I'm giving you, Jesus, the title deed of my life. I don't own me anymore. You do. It's not about me anymore. It's about you. Jesus, I'm not following my plans, my desires, my wants. I'm following you. I'm following your plan, your desires, your wants for me. I'm giving you the title deed of my life. I'm giving you ownership of me. Because to come to Christ in salvation means this, that you've been bought with a price. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Your salvation's bought with a price. It's bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's him dying on a Roman cross for your sin, your sin upon himself, him purchasing your salvation, him buying you out, redeeming you out of slavery, redeeming you out of sin, redeeming you out of hell. And so now when you come to Jesus to follow him, you tell him, you, I'm giving you my title deed. That my, my life is yours. Can I just ask you this morning, who owns the title deed of your life? Who owns it? Is it Jesus or is it you? In order to be a disciple, you have to give them that title deed. You have to give Christ your life. You have to follow him. But notice also in verse 19, the second part of this definition. Not only does Jesus say you have to follow me, but he says in verse 19, and I will make you. Right? So remember our definition of a disciple. Our definition is this. A disciple of Jesus follows Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is being changed by Jesus. So it's Christ that makes us. It's Christ and when we come to Jesus that now is making us into something he wants us to be. He's making us into the people he wants us to be. When you are following Christ, Jesus has every right to change the thought pattern, to change the desires, to change the obedience. And that's what following Christ is. Now my heart changes. I have affections and things for God. My mind changes. I'm starting to see the world differently through, a, through the lens of the Lord. I'm loving people differently. I'm thinking about people differently. And yes, that means on 610 tomorrow morning, right? I'm going to view traffic differently. Right? Hey, and you know, I can view traffic and have a good little prayer session. Lord, as I am stopped again on my way to work. I'm surrounded by all these people. And Lord, I just want to pray for the salvation of all these people. Wait, wouldn't that change your commute on a Monday morning? Have a little prayer time? I mean, maybe you got to confess some things in that prayer time as you're driving too, and that's all right. Just have a little church. 
changing my mind. I'm changing my heart. I'm changing my actions. Jesus is making me into who he wants me to be because I'm following him. Now, you that might sit there this morning and go, okay, I get that. But I don't like where I am. You might feel that way. You might say, well, yeah, yeah, I, I know I'm a follower of Jesus and I follow Jesus, but I don't like where I am. I still do things that I shouldn't do. I still say things I shouldn't say. Still, you know, think things I shouldn't think. And and if you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking that and you're like, man, I I know I'm a follower of Jesus, but I really just don't like where I am. Can I pull a chair up to you on your left side? They go, you know what? There's times I don't like where I am. I'll sit right beside you and confess that. I still sometimes say things I shouldn't say, think things I shouldn't think, do things I shouldn't do. And you know, I don't want you to feel alone. I'll sit over there on your left side, and then I'm going to invite somebody else to sit on the right side of you. You know who else I'm going to invite on the right side is the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 goes, hey, you know what? There's times I don't like where I am. I, I, I don't like what I do. I still struggle with thinking things I shouldn't think, and I still struggle with things I shouldn't say. So if you're sitting out there this morning, you go, hey, I know I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't like where I am. Guess what? You're not alone. I'll sit right with you. And Paul on one side, and Paul sit on the other side. You got good company. But you know what? You might not like where you are as a believer in Jesus, but you ought to be able to praise God that you are not where you once were without Christ. Because without Christ, you're lost. But now you've been found. Without Christ, you were blind but now you see. Without Christ, you're on the road to hell, but now you're on the road to heaven with Christ. So you might sit there this morning and go, hey, I don't like where I am. I know God's making me into somebody else that he wants me to be. And boy, that's a tough process, but praise God, I'm not where I once was. You know what's amazing to me is when you read through the gospels and you got these disciples, the dirty dozen, as I like to call them, the original dirty dozen, minus Judas, these 11 go from being fisherman, tax collector, a political assassin, to the founders of the church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus takes these ragtag guys and goes, I'm going to disciple you, and I'm going to make you the founders of Christianity, the founders of the church, the authors of the Bible in which we hold today. Isn't that amazing? And what Jesus is saying is just give me your life. I'm going to make you into somebody you're not going to believe of what I can do. Let me show you what I can do with you. So finally, we see the third part of the definition. It's not only that Christ calls us to follow him, he makes us into who he wants us to be. But notice the end of verse 19. And he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's the disciple of Jesus that follows Jesus. It's the disciple of Jesus that is being changed by Jesus. So Christ is changing our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our words, what we do and how we love people. But notice the disciple of Jesus is on mission with Jesus. Jesus uses this imagery with fishermen to say, guys, no longer are you going to fish for fish in the sea, but I'm now going to help you fish for people, right? I'm going to teach you how to disciple others. 
And I want you to notice this, what is amazing to me about this, and you read through the Gospels, is when Jesus disciples people, Jesus has a catch and release strategy. But if you think about the way we set churches up today, we set churches up as a catch and keep strategy. Well, actually, that's not the Gospels. See, we ought to not be the keeper of the aquarium. We are the fishermen in the pond. We catch and release, we catch and release, we raise up, we make. We make disciples, we make leaders. You know, one of the most beautiful things to me about our church since I've been here is there are three staff members that are on your staff that have not originated from this church. Pastor Matt, myself, Pastor Jonathan. Now, I'm really glad that you brought me here But you know, every other staff member that we have in this church has come out of this church, has been raised up from this congregation to help lead us. What is that a beautiful picture of? It's a beautiful picture of discipleship, of raising up leaders within. And you know, one of my prayers, just honestly, is that one day when I'm not your senior pastor, it's not anytime soon, okay? All right, you just woke up. Not plan on going anywhere unless you have other plans. Just give me a heads up if you do, okay? All right? Every pastor stays about half unpacked, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. All right? You know, so we got boxes just in case, all right? I don't have any other plans. Hope you don't either. But one day, if I'm not your pastor, do you know what my prayer is for this church? That your next pastor is sitting in one of these seats. That's my prayer. My prayer is not when I leave one day or or you tell me to leave one day, whatever that is, that you have to go through a nationwide two-year-long search, but that we have done our job as a church. We have done our job as fishermen of people, raising up leaders that the next pastor is already sitting in this church. And maybe it's a young man that's down a preschool hall. Maybe it's a young man down the elementary hall. Maybe it's a young man sitting in our student section. Maybe it's a man sitting right out there. But boy, that's my prayer, is that as a church, we keep fishing for people. We have this catch and release strategy that Jesus has and not so much a keeper of the aquarium. So how are we going to make disciples here at Heights? How are you going to be a part of what God is calling us to do, commissioning us to do, commissioning and calling you to be a disciple maker because a disciple follows Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus? Well, let me just unveil a little bit more of that strategy for you. First graphic I want to show you is our groups graphic. And so these are ways in Heights that you can get involved uh, into our different groups. And so hopefully you'll be able to see that here in a second on the screen. There it is. All right. So our different groups here at Heights. First, we have our life groups. That's top left corner there. That's the best way that you can be involved in our church. These are our bigger groups. These are our groups that meet weekly. Uh, Most of them meet on Sunday mornings. Some of them meet during the week. But that's where you really grow in community. Now, if you drop down to what's called equip groups, those are our short-term Bible studies that we do periodically through the year. Our equip groups are smaller six, eight-week Bible studies that help 
help you grow in your knowledge of the Bible. And then what we're rolling out new is what's called our discipleship groups. That's where we want to build one-on-one relationships with people, helping them grow in their faith. And so what we're going to do there is we're going to grow in relationships, being able to help people one-on-one, instructing them, helping them learn how to read the Bible, understanding the things of God, how to pray, how to share your faith, how to do all those things. And so when you think about our groups, that's kind of our strategy. Those life groups, the big groups, growing community, quip groups, you're growing in your knowledge, those discipleship groups, growing in relationships. And can I tell you, I'm so excited that last week, in one week, 25 of you signed up to be disciple makers in our discipleship groups. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Man, one week, 25 of you said, man, I want to make disciples. You know, my prayer was 30, so I need to aim higher, right? Because we got a couple more weeks for you able to sign up. But one week, just blown away, 25 of you already said, yes, I want to make disciples. Now, in that disciple-making process, several of you kind of asked a question. I want to try to do a better job of answering it than I did last week. Should I be disciple or should I disciple? All right, and some of you kind of, you've talked to us a little bit, you know, like, hey, you know, I've, I've never been discipled. Like, I've never had somebody walk me through in one-on-one a curriculum and show me how to do these things. And so you're kind of sitting out there like, I want to be a part of this, but should I be discipled or should I disciple someone? So let me answer it this way. If you kind of have that question in your mind uh, and you have doubts on being a disciple maker, then I want you to sign up to be discipled, okay? But here's the thing. I want you to sign up to be discipled so you can learn to disciple others, all right? So if you're sitting out there and going, I don't know, what should I do? Sign up to be discipled so you can learn how to disciple someone else, all right? And here's how we're going to do that. And you might think, all right, who in the world should I disciple, right? I, maybe I want to do this. I want to disciple somebody, but who should I disciple? So I got another graphic up there for you that you can take a picture of. And this is kind of a graphic that says, who do you know? All right. So when you're thinking, all right, I want to disciple somebody, but who in the world should I ask? I want you to take a picture of this. Think about who you know. Hey, are there some people in your home that you need to be, that could be discipled? Somebody in your work, you know, somebody in your hobbies, Maybe you go down to the senior center all the time, or, or you're playing sports, or you're in the band. Maybe it is somebody at church, right? So it doesn't have to just be somebody at church that you disciple. It can be somebody in any of those places, work, school, activities, sports teams, neighborhood, favorite places, people you don't like, right? You can just come up to somebody, you really need Jesus. I want to disciple you, all right? Kind of facetious on that part, but just, you get the point, right? It's, it, they're, they're everywhere, everywhere. Like if you just go, all right, I'm gonna write down three to five people in each one of those circles. Look, you got 12 to 15 people just to choose from right off the bat. Right? They're everywhere to disciple. So you start thinking, all right, I wanna, I wanna disciple somebody. Where is that person gonna be? Lord, lead me to that person. And I'm gonna go just ask them, listen, I, I, wanna, I wanna come alongside of you and help you grow in your faith. We've got this book we're going to go through over four sessions, making, yeah, I'd love to meet with you. Is that all right? You want to do that? Let me tell you, as a Christian growing up, I would have loved that question. Growing up in church, I sat there often going, man, I don't know how to do any of these things. I don't know what that guy on the stage is talking about half the time. I'd love for somebody to answer all my questions. And I sat there as a teenager 
sat there as a young adult. And as I shared last week, it wasn't until I was 24 years old in my first seminary class when I leaned over to Mark Wingfield and go, I don't even know how to read my Bible. (laughs) And they let me in. (laughs) And it was Mark who showed me how to do those things. And I sat out there on so many Sundays going, man, I just just wish somebody would show me how to do this. And, And there's all kinds of people out there waiting, waiting for you just to answer the call that the Lord's putting out to be a disciple maker. And let's just think for a moment, because I want you to notice how the text ends. The passage ends with them saying, we're leaving the nets behind. And immediately, they go out and follow Jesus. There was a cost to this for them. And in discipleship, there's a cost. If you're going to be a disciple maker, there's a cost for you. There's time you have to put into this. There's effort you have to put into this. You have to buy a book. There's a little bit of money you have to put into this. There's going to be some things at times you have to talk to somebody. It may be a little uncomfortable. It may be a little weird. There's cost for you to be a disciple maker of someone. But as you consider those costs, let's consider the non-cost of making disciples. Let's consider the non-cost of discipleship. What if we say, you know what? (laughs) Jesus, we just want to keep the aquarium, right? We don't want to do what's hard. We don't want to do what's just uncomfortable. Just leave us alone. It's all right. We'll just keep the aquarium. We don't want to make disciples. That's too hard. Let's consider the cost of non-discipleship. Remember Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That means that somebody without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, they're spiritually dead. There's no life. There's no spiritual life for them now. There's no spiritual life for them in eternity. Somebody without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, this is literally their best life now. Somebody without Christ, this is as close as they're going to get to heaven as they'll ever be without Jesus. That's the cost of non-discipleship. That's the cost of staying on the sidelines. It's saying that there's not more people coming to faith. There's not more people growing in their faith. So yeah, there's a cost. But let's just say the cost of non-discipleship is a cost that's greater than the cost of discipleship. And so I want to call you this morning to first and foremost follow Jesus. Maybe there's some of you out there this morning that you just say, you know what, I, I don't meet that biblical definition of Matthew 4.19. I'm not following Christ. I, I'm not being changed by Jesus. Maybe today, just like I did at the age of 14, I prayed one simple prayer. Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. Just one night in my bedroom alone, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. And maybe today that's all you need to pray. Jesus, I'm ready to follow you with my life. I'm giving you that title deed. I'm going to give you an invitation, an opportunity in a moment to do that. When we stand and sing, you can come and just see me right down front and just say that. I'm ready to give Jesus my title deed, and I'll know exactly what you're talking about, and I'll pray with you, help you take that step of faith. But maybe this morning is for you to begin praying as a disciple maker Lord, who's that person? Who's the person I need to look for to invite into this discipleship relationship? Maybe today it's to say, look, I want to be discipled. I want to grow in my faith, and I need somebody to help me do that. Would you just this morning go to the Lord and say, look, I'm going to pay that cost. I'm going to be that person that's going to be discipled so I can go out and disciple others. Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher, walked in the shoe store, to talk to a 17-year-old. And millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of lives changed because one man 
paid the cost of discipleship. You know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, to follow up with you, and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 1030 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.